guys. Happy Monday. Welcome back to Kindled. I am your host, Haley. I am so excited for the conversation that I get to bring to you today, uh, one that I had with my friend Reagan Scott. Uh, Before I give you that episode, I want to let you know about a couple announcements. Um, As you know, I am no longer on Patreon, but I am now on Locals, which is a different platform for creators to build communities around. So you can find my page there at kindledpodcast.com locals.com and you can join the community for ten dollars a month and receive bonus episodes every single friday those are different from the regular podcast because they are usually just me recording a solo episode just myself uh, 30 minutes or less so they tend to be shorter than regular kindled episodes on a cultural political social or theological topic from a biblical worldview they are usually geared more towards current events so um much like what I do on Instagram talking about current events, uh, Firestarters are an audio version of that types of, that type of content that I'm able to share with you in a longer format. Um, and it's a way for you to support this ministry and um, enable me to continue doing the work that I'm doing. All of the hours and preparation and interviewing and production and post-production that goes into running a podcast, there's a lot. Um, and it takes up a significant chunk of my time, which I love doing it. It's something that I am I'm called right now to do and and led to do and passionate about doing. Um, But if you want to partner with me in that, joining Firestarters is an excellent way to do that and get more content. So um, yeah, that's a fun new community that is available to you to join. Again, kindledpodcast.locals.com. Another way you can support the show is by leaving a rating and review. Uh, This is something that is so helpful for helping the podcast get found on various platforms. Uh, Just scroll down on the episode page within the Apple Podcast app. You'll see leave a review. You click a star rating and leave a few words. doesn't have to be crazy long, um, but I would so appreciate if you do that. And then come find me on Instagram where I'm the most active at Haley.Kindled and Kindled.Haley, both of those accounts. Okay, here is my conversation with Reagan Scott. Reagan, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's fun to chat with you online, uh, but you are one of the the few guests that I've actually gotten to meet in person because we got to meet at G3 <laughs> a couple months ago. Yeah, no, that was super fun. I, it was cool to kind of meet you and all of our other yeah. Instagram friends yeah. in person. Yeah, it really was. And it was kind of funny, like, I feel like our in-person conversations were able to just take off from like a place of like we already know what each other believe on the deep issues so let's yeah. go get dinner you know it was like it yeah was a little, it's easier like those backwards friendships when you connect on the deep things first but you've never mm-hmm. like shared an in-person conversation or like just talked about like your life outside of Instagram deep topics right right, <laughs> right. but I, you know you can hit it off and yeah. be on the same page about all those things Right. We've covered all the hot topics. So like, let's just, let's talk about, you know, fashion. Um, (laughs) Not really. I don't think we did that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was super fun. Well, um, before we get into the topic, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners and tell them who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I'm Reagan Scott. Um, I have kind of a ministry page on Instagram that the Lord has um, blessed me with and platformed me. Um, A lot of the things I talk about on there are theology, politics, cultural issues. Um, I've worked for Turning Point USA and Charlie Kirk for about a year. 
Um, and I'm currently kind of doing my own thing as far as like social media management um, with different clients. Um, I work on campaigns and that sort of thing. So I'm in the political world, but um, my allegiance is to God and to my faith. And so um, definitely over the last year, I think I've been convicted a lot about how to um, how those two things coincide and what my role is as a believer and how we should um, how as believers we can view the world differently because we're in Christ um, mm-hmm. and and care about what's happening around us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. You're someone that I just am so impressed with the level of <laughs> wisdom that you have at such a young age. I mean, you're, I don't, I don't know how old you are. Mid twenties. 24. 24. Okay, am I allowed to ask that? That's kind of yeah. weird. Isn't yeah. It? But you're like, <laughs> no. you're so wise for a 24 year old way more so than I was. So I'm just so thankful that, you know, there are people, you know, a decade younger than me who are truly seeing reality as it is seeing the world yeah. through clear lenses and able to speak to that because, um, you know, even though I, I'm also young, I mean, I'm 33, almost 34. Like I, I think that it, no matter where you're at, just seeing younger people than you coming up behind you, you know, seeing the truth, the people that God has really opened their eyes, given them wisdom. Cause I know it's from him. I know it's nothing like oh, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't choose to be wise. He's, he's given you wisdom and given you eyes to see. It's just so encouraging because um, you know, we know that like future generations, God will, God will build his church. It's up to him. Yes. It's not up to us. And it, it just gives such a sense of relief, especially for those of us who have little kids and we're like, what is it going to be when, you know, when oh, you have know. to take over and, and seeing, seeing people like you, even a decade younger than me is just like, okay, I, I see how God is continuing to work and I need, I can trust that he will be faithful, you know? And yeah, yeah. So I'm really encouraged by everything that you share online. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I definitely, it obviously does come from God. And I think that's kind of like the, the thing that we as Christians should realize is that wisdom comes from God. And so unless you're in Christ, like you're not going to really know what's happening Mm -hmm. in our culture. You're not going to really understand why things are happening the way that they are and why people, why it feels like people have gone crazy, you know? Um, so I'm so glad and so grateful for just God's grace and just the faith that he's given us and the comfort and knowing that, you know, despite the chaos in the world around us, that we can rest in him and knowing mm-hmm. that this is not our home, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this will get us into our topic some, but, um, having, having the ability to speak truth to both the cultural and political issues that we are seeing today and to recognize, um, their position in the hierarchy of importance and where they fall in terms of kind of, um, our, our overall perspective and view of life and eternity and why we're here. And like you said, like you are ultimately submitted to God and, you know, in this for the glory of God, which is evident from how you handle yourself online, but you don't like, you don't, you don't shy away from the hard conversations. And, um, and that's one way that you can bring God glory. Right. Um, but it's often the harder place because, um, it requires like a, a balancing act to some degree. Your cat is hilarious. He keeps getting, I know, he's like in my way. Sorry. <laughs> I keep seeing like a little furry. Oh tail. my God. I know. So sorry. He just wants to be in on all this, uh, truth. Oh yeah. As soon as um, I'm doing something important, it's like right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. He's like, don't touch me until you're on a video and then I'm going to be right there. Yeah. Um, so the conversation that we're going to have today is, um, 
is one that I think that listeners will find very interesting. Uh, you brought this up as a topic that you wanted to speak about, and I'm so glad that you suggested it because it's something that I've noticed too, and just hadn't quite wrapped my arms around what, you know, what, what do I want to say about that? And, and, um, so you're the perfect guest to come on and talk about it with me. So, uh, you noticed a trend in, in churches, evangelical churches, Christian churches, uh, that you mentioned to me, would you like to set the stage of, of what we're going to talk about and tell us what that trend is? Yeah, absolutely. So in a nutshell, it's the over politicization of, um, the church. And what I mean by that, you know, obviously, back in March of 2020, um, or even before that, you know, with, um, you know, all the BLM stuff ignited before the COVID lockdowns, you saw this insurgence in more liberal churches um, of politicizing their congregation and, and giving these social justice sermons and talking about Black Lives Matter. And you'd have pastors who would bring a, a Black congregant on stage to make a point about white versus Black and, um, and then you had the COVID lockdowns and, and ch- people shut down their churches. And then they, whenever they opened them up, if they opened them up, they required masks and vaccines. So that was the very obvious point, I think, for us was, okay, hang on. This is not biblical. This is not God- glorifying to God. This is not being obedient to God. But then you have two sides of the same coin where you have conservative Christians who did what they were supposed to do. They pushed back against the mandates. They were obedient to the Lord. They kept their church open, but then there became this over politicization where some of these pastors realized that the publicity that they were getting um, from from pushing back against the, the mandates and the lockdowns, um, they were getting more attention. So then their congregation turned into um, political activists where on when people would come to church on Sundays and they would get messages about you know, how to fight back against CRT in schools or, um, you know, whatever the topic is. And so what I'm seeing is this extra biblical biblical effort to move away from the message of the gospel and from expository exegetical preaching to, hey, here's how you can make the world a better place. And it's not by preaching the gospel, but it's by making the world more moral and here's how to do it. And it's just both of them are the same coin, two sides of the same coin. It, it's so antithetical to scripture and God's command for us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I totally see that. And I hadn't thought about how it started with, um, you know, the social justice movement in churches and really ignited by George Floyd, right? And we saw so many churches really stand stand up and kind of raise their hand and say like, we'll fly that flag, like black lives matter. We're going to enter the conversation. This is not what, you know, Jesus would do. And they, and they started, you know, using scripture to say, which let's just be clear. We, we obviously do not think that the murder of George Floyd was a good thing. We don't minimize it. We don't say that that was not problematic or that there shouldn't be any accountability anywhere for any cops at all. That's not the point of this conversation or what either of us believe, but it was mobilized and utilized and leveraged to have a much different conversation than any that we were having before. And, and it was really just like, so unfortunately, not even about him, not even about his family, not even about black communities. It was just about this organization making money, like to be Mm -hmm. honest. And so and so it was really disgusting to see churches jump on board with that and um, enter the conversation in such a, um, yeah, such a uh, extreme way. And that was easy for me to see. Um, and I will admit, it was harder for me to see how 
the other side of that coin, as you're describing, started to happen in churches in regards to pushing back on COVID regulations and COVID stand, right? Mm -hmm. And I did see that, like certainly, especially in places like California, you've got like Sean Fuchs organization, Hold the Line, um, Mm -hmm. you know, hosting all these like Let Us Worship events in the middle of cities without permits and just showing up and blah, 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 you know, all of that. And then you've got like pastors that are really turning their churches into a platform to talk about these things. And they are legitimately pushing back. And some of them started out as, you know, just like, we want to be faithful to God. We want to be obedient to him. We are going to hold church. And, and in the midst of that, you know, I do remember when, and I don't even know the rules right now in California, because I've just given up trying to keep track. I don't know where they're at right now, but I remember like last summer or the summer before even, yeah, 2020, um, when it was shut down, like almost completely. And at one point strip clubs were open, but churches were to be closed on -hmm. Sundays and, um, or, you know, up to like 5% capacity or something, which is like, you, you know, basically closed. And I remember, um, seeing Rob McCoy, uh, yeah, McCoy, uh, like take off his belt and swing mm-hmm. it around doing like a little silly, like mocking strip tease, like, oh, like strip clubs can be open, but I can't. Well, here is, does this make it okay? Yeah. And I don't know, like just a shift there. There was a shift from, we just want to hold church and worship God. And this is within our uh, constitutional rights to do so. This is the United States. Um, it shifted. Yeah. What do you think that shift was about? And, and do, I mean, people, some people listening may be like questioning whether there was a shift at all. They may be like, well, I don't know. I think sure. totally justified in doing that because that is a ridiculous rule. So what do you say to that? Well, we have to remember our call as believers, right? Like, and, and what is the role of the church? The role of the church is not about our rights. It's, you know, if we, if we lived in a different country, we wouldn't have the constitution that we have, but we'd still be Christians and we'd still want to gather. And there's, you know, underground churches all over the world right now that are still continuing to gather and risk their lives to do so. So, but I think it became less about being obedient and more about fighting for our rights. And our, our command and our call as Christians is not to uphold our rights. Those are great things to do in the, in the political sphere. You know, if as the individual, you know, like you and I do on our social media, we talk about that all the time. Like this is about our rights, like these mandates, our kids, those are okay. But when it comes to the church and the local body, the role of the church is not the same. And so the role of the church is not to try to influence government or make the world more moral. It's being obedient to God because that's where our allegiance lies. And so, um, you know, I remember, I think it was this past summer, I think it was Craig Rochelle. He's another one of those pastors. He might be in California. I'm not sure, but there's a video of him that went viral about, um, he said something along the lines of, you know, if you come into my church with a mask on, you can turn around and walk out because I don't play those Democrat games. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and my stomach just like was a knot because I was like, this is not like, you're a pastor and your, your role is not to like, this is not Republican versus Democrats. This is saved versus unsaved. And if you, yeah. and if you love 
your neighbor, like you say you do, and you love the unbeliever, like we're called to do, then you, you would do everything in your power to make sure that they hear the gospel. And, um, so that's where I think I kind of realized, okay, this is, this is, there's a line here that's been crossed. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not a good one. I want to let you know about our first sponsor of today. And that is Cornerstone Curriculum. This is one that I am so excited to share with you because it has a very special place in my heart. I get asked all the time by listeners of this show and people on Instagram, where did you learn to think this way? I want to make sure my kids can think critically about the issues you talk about on this show. The answer, aside from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God, is Cornerstone Curriculum. As a high schooler, I was fortunate enough to get to complete their complete high school curriculum, Worldviews of the Western World. This holistic approach to education teaches a biblical worldview and the Bible's answers to today's biggest cultural issues. It teaches young people critical thinking and philosophy. It trains and makes disciples and leaders for the next generation. In this curriculum, students begin an integrated study of literature, philosophy, government, economics, history, geography, science, and art, showing how the ideas of each era shaped society holistically. This approach is far superior to a traditional school setting where subjects are separated into individual classes. Students who complete this program will be equipped to reason and think critically on any subject, and they will be prepared to stand firm for Christ in the 21st century. I cannot wait for the day my girls are old enough to start this curriculum. I cannot recommend it enough, and I would urge you to check out their website, cornerstonecurriculum.com, and use the code KINDLED for 5% off anything you order from their site. Whether your kids are in elementary or even in the middle of high school, Cornerstone Curriculum has resources to help you equip them today. Uh, So definitely check out their website, cornerstonecurriculum.com. Use Kindled for 5% off. Yeah, yeah. It's the same line as a pastor who would say, if you're unvaccinated, stay out of my congregation, right? It's the exact same thing. It's, It's taking an external you know, choice or characteristic or quality about a person. And it's not even about the person themselves. It's just their choice. Like being vaccinated or unvaccinated doesn't fundamentally change who you are. You are still yourself. You've made a choice that someone else didn't make, which impacts your life in ways that it might not impact theirs, but it is not like, that is a, that is a personal decision that does not, there is absolutely no leeway in scripture for us to um, show partiality to people based sure. on those things. And actually um, there's a mandate not to show partiality and, and partiality is a sin. I mean, I know we're big just thinking fans and they have so many episodes um, Daryl and Virgil do about, you know, how partiality is actually sin and it's, it's not justice. It's not righteousness. No. It is really allowing the enemy to come in and tell you what, you know, what is okay or what is right or what is good. Like you said, morality, sure but it's not even rooted in truth. It's just rooted in preference and, you know, and somebody's in and somebody's out and it's all dependent on where I stand and whether I judge them like acceptable or not. And, and guess what? I'm not God. I'm not the judge. Like I'm not, I I am not, I'm not him. And, and like you said, I think that um, the danger here on both sides is that we become so politicized as Christians that that becomes our first um, allegiance is to our political party, to even an ideology or even opposing an ideology, right? Like which both of us, 
both of us agree CRT is garbage and it's complete trash. Like we have no problem saying CRT is unbiblical and it does not glorify God. It is not true. But if we are ready to turn people away at the door of our church because they they don't agree on that topic or yeah. you know or whatever, then we have a bigger problem. Sure. Well, and it's it's this um, this higher morality, this sense of morality. You know, you have people on the left; they think they're the most moral. You have people on the right that think they're the most moral. So who who is really more moral? And then when you look in a, at a biblical context of what morality looks like, well, the only example of moral people in Scripture we have are the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And I and I would venture to say that a lot of these pastors that are excluding people from their church because they're not vaccinated or because they want to wear a mask or they don't want to wear a mask or whatever it is are no different than the pastors excluding people who may not make their church diverse enough mm-hmm. um, or whatever that it, it's both sides of the same coin it's hypocritical it's pharisaical and it is not glorifying to God in any way shape or form and I think it's it's something I'm really glad that we're talking about this because so many conservative Christians um, it, it's easy to get wrapped up in well you know God does say that, you know, God does, I do have freedom in Christ. Um, God did, did, you know, give me the ability. He created me in his image. He gave me the ability to speak freely and to think freely and to, you know, do all these things. And so the constitution of the United States upholds those um, mm-hmm. rights that he's given me. So why wouldn't I want to fight to preserve them? Um, and I think that's a blessing that we have a tangible way to influence our society through government and laws and voting and those things. And those are ways to be good stewards of what we've been given. But when it comes to the church, our highest calling is not that we should be fed the word every Sunday. We should be um, fed the gospel every Sunday so that we can go out and preach it to others because the way that our society is going to change the way that we end this mess, if it's in God's will for it to even end, um, is not by passing laws and electing Republicans. Mm-hmm. It's through the preaching of the gospel and, and Christ changing hearts of man. Wow. What you said right there though, is so controversial for so many <laughs> conservative Christians. Like a lot of people listening are probably really struggling to swallow that. And even yeah. if it sounds good to them, like the gospel is the answer. Didn't we say that to social justice? The gospel is the answer. And people said, well, you're just brushing it off. You're just brushing off the real problems we have to face in our culture and our society. You're just, you're just saying the gospel is the answer. That's like putting a bandaid on it. And the sad truth is that that's what a lot of people believe on both sides. They really do believe that the gospel is a bandaid and the real solution Mm -hmm. is political activism. Yeah. That's what they really believe. And, and I think we're seeing that. Yeah, well, what a low view of God and what a low view of scripture um, to to believe that man has some kind of superior authority or superior knowledge that we could, maybe there's something more that we should do to solve a problem, that that, this, that the solution wouldn't be found in the gospel. I mean, that, that's a very low view mm-hmm. of God to believe that and a very high view of man. Yeah, yeah, and it, it gets at, well, what do you believe our biggest problem is? And then what's the solution to that, right? If you believe our biggest problem is a social justice um, issue, and it's merely a matter of um, equality or rights or legislation that needs to be passed, um, 
then yeah, then yeah, social justice is the answer. But if you believe our biggest problem is that we are sinners in the hands of an angry God, deserving of wrath mm. and eternal damnation and separation from him, then suddenly that doesn't become your biggest problem. It doesn't mean it doesn't have any place in the conversation ever. It, it can, but in light of what we understand about the biggest issue for humanity, the biggest thing that we need to overcome, it is not, um, it is not that. And so on the flip side right. for conservatives, it is also not the biggest problem for us is not um, government overreach. The biggest problem for us is not COVID stand regulations. Um, we need to keep in mind that the Bible is, is explicitly clear about what plagues mankind. And it doesn't say, you know, your government reaching into your pockets and overtaxing you and overreaching into your yeah. rights. Like, we actually don't really see any scripture talking about how we need to fight um, tyrannical government, do we? we? We actually see scripture the opposite. And lest anyone think I've you know, gone to the dark side or something and that I don't believe in fighting for the constitution or, or the bill of rights that I, I love that, that we have those in this nation, I, I do believe that those should be preserved. I do believe that we have them, they're blessings. But what we are talking about is what role does the church play in that and right. versus the individual who's a member of the right. church, right? So, right? so we are, we are basically positing that the local church's role is not to become a political activist, just like you or I might run for the school board or, you know, whatever, get involved in our community or vote this way or that way, because we believe this policy is better than that policy. We should do that as individuals. I, I believe yeah. in that strongly. I believe Absolutely. that people have died for that, right? And I believe that's our responsibility as Americans because so few people in the world have that. So I don't take that for granted at all. But it's, it's a different thing entirely to be talking about, well, I think that my pastor should hop up on the stage on Sunday and um, start fighting for my rights as an American. And I think that he should yeah. take that as, he should start flying that flag right? Like there's a huge difference between an individual, um, exercising their civic rights and their, in, in their right to vote and their right to speak freely and their right to, you know, worship freely, all of that. And then the church taking that as its little pet project or hobby and becoming right. really enmeshed with political organizations, nonprofits, people who have interests, people who have money, who mm -hmm. you know see pastoral influence as something that they really would love to leverage. There are so many problems with that. Like, I don't even know where oh to Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and it, it also boils down to the question, you know, how, it's not even a question, but how you can't, you can't fix the world by becoming like the world. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that's, what a lot of people are doing. They're partnering with these nonprofits. They're, they're getting all this money. They're getting all this support. Their churches are exploding because they're telling people what they want to hear. They have all these conservatives coming and saying, yeah, like, I like what he's saying about CRT. I like what he's saying about the mandates and all these things we should, you know, I've been going to my child's school board meetings and I've been doing this and, and those are all good things to do. Like you said, I think it's responsible to do it. And I think it's, means that God's given us to be a good steward of what we've given and be a good steward of society and protect our children and to, um, you know, make the world a better place. But at the end of the day, the church's job is not to make society more moral. Mm -hmm. 
because you can, and I've said this before, um, you can pass all the laws. You can bring prayer back in schools. You can ban abortion. You can um, elect a Republican president, Republican governors, you know, have Republican control of the Senate and the House. And the thing is, we're still going to be under God's divine judgment because we're not in Christ, because we're mm -hmm. a society that hates God and wants to do things our own way and fix things the way we want to. And you can ban all these things and pass laws. That doesn't mean it's not going to still happen. That yeah. sin's still going to happen behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, or that we and won't that, just have an equal and opposite reaction, you know, like, okay, right, so, so right. we say, so we get CRT out of schools. Well, what's the equal and opposite reaction to that? Cause we're, then the pendulum will just swing the other way. So, mm -hmm. so that's, well, and I said yeah. this, well, I said this to somebody today. It's interesting, you know, every time the, and I, and I don't want to, I hate, you know, we talk about politics all the time, Republican and Democrat, and I don't want this conversation to be a politically divisive one, but you have, a situation where you look for during Trump's presidency, um, Democrats were kind of in the minority. Um, they didn't control the House and well, they controlled the House and the Senate, but um, they weren't having their way. And so they radicalized. They radicalized even more. They radicalized mm -hmm. our kids. So my thing is, if we get Republicans elected in 2022, my fear is Democrats are going to become even more radical because they want the power grab. And it's this constant grab for power and passing laws and doing things. And at the end of the day, you have your family to take care of. We have our family to take care of. And the question is, are you going to sit back and be tossed between this political fight that really doesn't matter because it's temporary? Or are you going to be obedient to God be a good steward of what you what he's given you in your home and preach the gospel to people who don't hear it even to your enemies even to people that even to the most left-wing crazy people i mean that's what this has done is made our political opponents our enemies and we're not even sharing the gospel with them because we don't think they're deserving of mm. being preached the gospel to yes and and so that's i think another big issue that we can talk about is just this Div divis divisiveness um and and how it totally detracts from god's mandate i want to tell you about one of the sponsors of today's episode and that is conviction co these are the cutest statement t-shirts with conservative messages you've ever seen you for sure have to go browse their instagram look at some of their latest styles you'll see exactly what i mean they are cute you could wear them and dress them up with jeans or dress them down with leggings you need one Visit their shop at convictionco.etsy.com to purchase their products or follow along on Instagram at convictionco to see their newest items, promos, and giveaways. And listeners can use the code KINDLED for 10% off all of their apparel purchases. Guys, that's a great deal. 10% off with the code KINDLED. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but there is Republican and Democrat. <laughs> there yeah. is yeah there is master unmasked there is vaxxer unmaxed like that's what yeah. we've we've added on to scripture really it's extra biblical teaching like you said mm -hmm. where we we have made concessions for our own preferences like yeah there's neither jew nor greek slave nor free but there is vaxxed and unvaxxed and we all know that right. you know if you're vaxxed you're on the wrong side of history and and again let's be clear that you can disagree you can even say, you can even make a moral case for something as an individual 
I see no problem with that. I, I don't have a problem with, with saying, Hey, I am convicted as a mother that masks are wrong for children to be mandated. Like if, if a parent chooses to do it, that should be their choice. But I'm, but I'm free as an individual and as a mom, as a human being to make a case and argue my case intellectually against people who are my intellectual opponent, who disagree with my idea and may the best idea win. And it's, it should be a marketplace of ideas. There should be free ability for me to make my case and you to make yours and us to disagree and go our different ways and me to continue to say you're wrong. And I, I think that what you're doing is damaging children and look at the data and look at the studies and look at how these kids are, their IQ is 20 points lower if they were born during COVID, which my youngest was. So look at how this is impacting them to be around adults with their face covered all the time. Like I can make a very strong case for that. And I feel zero guilt about that. But if my church started Mm -hmm. making masks, the hill they were going to die on and say that if you come in here with a mask, you're not glorifying God. Now that's a different thing. That's not it. A, that's not even necessarily what I'm saying, but B, that's not their role. Like they're not the, they're not an individual. They are the church and they're under God's authority and they have a clear mandate to shepherd Christians and local bodies of believers and to, um, really remind us and, and help us to, uh, function as members of one body. And so there are people at my church who wear masks every week. I smile at them. I don't, I don't hate them in my heart. I don't curse them under my breath. I don't say what an idiot. I think that person is obviously dealing with something. I don't know what, I don't know whether it's a legitimate medical situation. I don't know whether it's fear. I don't know whether they're taking care of an elderly parent and maybe they're just trying to minimize risk in their mind. It might work. And, and I, it's honestly, it's none of my business. Like it's not my problem. Like I, I look at that and go, we are both in the same church, worshiping the same God and he knows our hearts. And so who am I to look at that person and say, I'm going to judge you as wrong because you're making a choice different than me. Now, it doesn't mean that I couldn't have, if I wanted to, or if I was close to that person or whatever, have a conversation about that and say like, you know, well, do you like, have you seen this study? It doesn't actually work. Like all of that's fine. And, and so I think this is where people struggle because they think like, if you're saying that a church shouldn't do this, are you saying you don't think anyone should have that conversation, Reagan? Are you saying nobody should vote conservatively? Or are you saying Republicans are evil because we don't want our churches to be like big show, you know, uh, a a big like night show of um, conservative propaganda? Do you want to respond to that? Yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I think, and I think, I feel like we've said this, you know, earlier in the conversation, like this, this is not about what we as individual believers should be doing. This is about the church and the local body. And what is the role of the church? Mm -hmm. What is the role of a pastor? What is the role of your elders? This, this is not, I mean, and even like, if people go to my Instagram, like they're going to see, I talk a lot about these issues. Yeah. And so do you, and that's why they're listening because they want to learn about it. But as believers, our priority is not to change people's minds about policy. Yeah. Our, 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 our obligation is to preach the gospel of Christ crucified. And I think that's what people miss. And I think, you know, as I said before, you know, people who aren't in Christ, I'm sure they're very confused as to why there's so much chaos in the world. And John MacArthur has done several sermons on this and has talked about how we're under God's divine judgment. I mean, the, the greatest 
um, indication of God's judgment is people being confused about what a man and a woman is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you read Romans one and how God turns people over to, to depraved minds. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing here. Mm -hmm. And so when you recognize that, and when you can grasp your mind around the fact that we're under God's divine judgment, there's no political activist, there's no elected official, there's no policy, no law that can change that, that God has put this country under divine judgment. And, um, and it really comes down to how much do you love your neighbor? Do you, do you love them enough to preach the gospel to them? Or do you just want to change their mind politically to, so that they will vote the right way, so that the right elect, elected officials will be put in office, so that maybe we'll have a more, more moral country when their policies get passed. Um, mm. It all comes down to priority and, and what, what our role is and what God's called us to do. Yeah. And, and let's be clear too, that like, it doesn't mean this whole conversation doesn't mean that there isn't a better policy that one policy on a certain issue isn't actually better. Like, that's not what we're saying either. There, there often is like, sometimes I think it's unclear what's best. Like, I think that we can debate it out. I think we can talk about what exactly should the, the welfare policy and system in America look like. And I think there's probably more than one right or moral answer to that. And I think it could look a variety of different ways and you could have a variety of different options or, or things that were voted on that might all be within a moral framework, right. That weren't like immoral or causing people to be lazy sluggards or whatever, or like paying people to not work as a lifestyle, but helping people who really did need help. So I'm not, you know, I'm not against any sort of help at all, um, or social welfare. So there's, there's room for us to debate on certain things. And, but then there's other issues. And I was talking to my husband about this. Like there are certain issues like that. Like how do we best help orphans and widows and, and those who need help who we can help. But then there's certain issues where there's no moral way to debate that policy, like abortion. There's no moral way to decide well, when should a baby be murdered or at what stage is it okay to murder a baby? Um, how long, how far along can a baby be murdered? Like that is not a policy that there is room for Christians, for Bible believing Christians to debate or differ on. There is one right answer and that is do not murder. And if you want to try and wiggle your way in through some if, and, or, but you can go ahead and do that, but it won't be under the guise of being biblically aligned. Right. It won't be. Well, and to that point, I think that's where a lot of, that's where I think a lot of the church has failed because we, it's not the government's job to care for the widow and the orphan. It's not the government's job to regulate murder of unborn children. Yeah. The church should be embracing the 15 year old who got pregnant unplanned. The church should be embracing the orphan and the widow. And, and, you know, we just moved from Arizona to Dallas and I can't help but use my church, our church in Phoenix as an example, but they, it truly was, I'd never been a part of a church that truly felt like a family. And I think that really is what God's intention was with the church is, you know, there are families who invited widows over to their homes for Christmas and for Thanksgiving because they didn't have family to go home to and and to enjoy the holidays with. And so it seems like that where the church needs to do a better job of, Hey, do you need help financially? We have a fund for that where people have given their money 
um, to help people in need in this, yeah. within this church. And I think that's a lot of where we fall short and has left a lot of room for the government to say, oh, I got it. We'll take over. We'll, we'll yeah. put in welfare. We'll do this. We'll, we'll pass these laws. And, and that's where you have this, this crossover of power and yeah. um, it becomes not what God designed it to be at all. Yeah, absolutely. I a million percent degree uh, agree that right when there is a breakdown in God's design in any way, we see decay, mm-hmm. we see moral decay and mm-hmm. destruction and deterioration, which is exactly what we see in the welfare system or in um you know the the issue of uh unborn children. We see and and how much of that was born out of um you know a church of decades past that refused to acknowledge unplanned pregnancies and like wanted to hide them because it was, it was shameful and they didn't know, or like they didn't, they didn't have a good answer for that. There wasn't grace or there was judgment and condemnation. And you know, how much of it is, is, is literally rooted in, in that era. Like, I don't know what forties, fifties, sixties, and we created, we created an environment and I wasn't alive, but the environment was created that was ripe for sin and evil and wickedness to get in and to come and steal, kill and destroy. And that's exactly what always happens. And so, and this is again, though, reinforcing, reinforcing what you and I are saying about there, that the role that the church plays is really important and key. And God has laid that out in scripture. It doesn't mean that you can't have an opinion here, but what is the role of the church? And, um, yeah, I just think that it, so many of the problems have been created because we've rejected God's plan and his design. And we've said, we know better and we've asserted our authority over God's, which really means right. we've just become idolaters. And there are just, it, uh, it's become more evident over the last two years to me as a conservative, as a Christian conservative, that there is a lot of idolatry amongst our ranks mm-hmm. and a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, replacing Jesus with a political savior. And he told, Mm -hmm. he told his, he told the Jews when he was on this earth, I did not come to establish my kingdom here. Like this, uh, this is not it. Like they were so confused and so disappointed. And that's like literally why he was killed because he didn't do what they wanted him to do, which was overthrow the wicked Roman empire and establish his kingdom here and make them all little like Lords and ladies sitting at his right and left hand. Right. Like that's what they wanted. And he didn't do that. That's yeah. how he came. And yet we're still here today, 2000 some odd years later saying, but aren't you going to like, isn't it about policies, Jesus? Like, don't I need to get yeah. elected, yeah. Jesus? Like, I feel like that's what we're saying. There's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't change. Well, and I think too, you know, this, and this has been my biggest fear out of all of this, you know, you have all this idolatry and it, this is why it's so important for Christians to be discerning and why it's so important to pray for discernment, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Scripture tells us to do that, to pray for other people, to have discernment as well as ourselves. Um, and be in the word, know what the word of God says and pray for that wisdom that only comes from God's word. Because mm-hmm. when, when it comes down to it, if you have all these conservatives going to their conservative church because they like what they're being told, they agree with the political stances coming from the pulpit, you're going to end up with a bunch of false converts running around mm-hmm. who think that they're saved yes. because they stand for the right things politically. Mm-hmm. And that is so dangerous. And the same goes for the people on the left who believe that because they were social justice warriors that they were in favor with God 
Mm-hmm. It, it's the same danger and it leads on the exact same path to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I feel so passionate about this is because the path is very, very narrow. Yeah. Um, and so if you, if you love other people and if you care about, you know, not just here on earth, but eternity, then what happens on this earth doesn't matter. We can do what we can by the means God's given us to influence our culture and our society, but ultimately you're not going to change people's minds about abortion and transgenderism and mm-hmm. critical race theory and all those things by just talking points. Yeah. It takes God turning a heart of stone to a heart of flesh mm-hmm. and, and softening their heart to the truth about life in the womb and yeah. people being made in the image of God. And, um, and so, and that only comes from the faithful teaching of the gospel. Yeah. And even like, I actually think that you could change someone's mind on the talking points. I think it's possible to just merely argue from secular, a secular worldview, sure. like devoid of Christian biblical arguments. You can, you can show people pictures of life inside the womb and you can say, look, this is human. You, you could get there. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that with this younger generation that they're actually the most pro-life they are more pro-life mm-hmm. than pa- previous because they have seen the, they've heard the heartbeat. They've seen the photos. They're like, what? Oh my gosh, that's really a baby. Like, duh. Of course it's a baby. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows it's a baby, but you're just denying it. Right. Like you are literally suppressing the truth because you prefer mm-hmm. sin. That's what you're doing. Right. But, um, so I think you could get there using just secular reasoning or physical evidence. The problem is you still would be bound for hell, you know, like even Absolutely. if you agree yeah. CRT is racist, even if you agree baby inside the womb is really a life. And I'm not saying that that's not worth anything. It is worth, it is worth something. It is worth to, to understand the truth, Absolutely. but that if we're talking about eternal perspective and scope in the view that everyone is marching on either a broad road to hell or the narrow road to heaven, you are only going one of two places And if our role as believers is to go into all the world and share the gospel with people and share the good news that Christ came and died, you know, and live the life we couldn't die, the death we should have and rose victoriously so that because none of us were righteous, because actually all had sinned and fallen short, not just the vax, not just the unvax, not like all of us. Mm -hmm. And if we can't share that message then we have really fallen prey to idolatry. And so even if someone changes their mind on these issues, these political issues, like there are so many, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, I'm sure you have, that there are so many LGBTQ affirming conservatives these days, like a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole segment of, yes. And Trump changed his mind on that issue because it became politically opportune for him to do so. And I mean, he probably changed on a lot of things, but like there was a moment where I remember realizing, oh, so that's how it's going to be. Okay. Like if I want, if I want my party to win, I have to kind of give on this issue. I have to say that's, it's not the biggest issue to me. And, and as an individual, like I, I did vote for Trump. So I, so I obviously did say, you know, lesser of two evils, right? <laughs> like this is, this, right. this is the better path forward, but it as um principally like if we are if if all we're concerned about is these policies and we start saying it doesn't really matter all i want to do is just link arms with anyone who will vote conservative and i'm not going to actually preach the truth to you that 
listen, you're living out of line with God's design. And this is actually bad for you. And this is the Bible calls this sin. And if you are not saved, like you are in a state of war with God and enmity with God. And here's Mm -hmm. what that means about your eternity. I, if I become politically enmeshed with that person or that group or that organization, like, what does that mean for their soul? If I am now, it is, it is actually not advantageous for me to speak the truth to them. It's better for me to hide the truth because we're political allies, right? Like there's, there's a real risk there that I think a lot of Christians have just kind of like pushed away. And I'm not saying that it means that you make you're, you're going around trying to make an enemy where you could have an ally. That's not really the point of what I'm saying, but I'm saying that a lot of people would rather find a political ally than they would share the real truth and the gospel with people because it would create enemies. I want to tell you about my last sponsor of today, and that is Little Light Artisans. These are beautiful, handcrafted from start to finish by a small Christian family-owned business, one-of-a-kind earrings that you will not find anywhere else. I actually have a couple pairs of these earrings, uh, some that are very retro mod with like a wood and resin with gold flecks. They are truly some of my favorite earrings that I own. And actually this weekend, I went to a hotel with some girlfriends for an overnight for someone's birthday. And I panicked because I thought I had lost one. By the time I got home, I realized that it was just at the bottom of my makeup bag. And so I was very relieved uh, because these are truly my favorite. And uh, this company is amazing. You're going to be getting 20% off on all orders over $100 with the code TAKE20. And you can shop all of their designs at littlelightartisans.com. Be sure and follow them on Instagram at littlelightartisans. And uh, yeah, check them out. They are super lightweight, easy to wear. I don't do heavy uh, earrings that like pull my earlobes down. I just can't do it. These are big statement-y type earrings, but super light and beautiful. And uh, it's a great business to support. So check them out at littlelightartisans.com. Well, and I think you even see that within the church. Again, um, you see churches, Christian churches, linking arms with secular organizations and um, who also work with other religious groups. And then you have this ecumenical um, army of people, of political activists who are fighting for the same cause, but there's no truth being shared. There's actually nothing in common with these people because at the root of it, you know, you have one group who believes that they're made in the image of God and that Jesus is God and that they're dead to their dead in their sin and that the only way to salvation is through Christ. And then you have other people who don't believe that. So yeah. then what's the, what, what do you, what cause are you really fighting? Are you, are you, are you just, you're just trying to make the world more, a more moral place. That's all it is because it's ecumenical group of people linking arms to just fight for policy and moralism yeah. and put, put salvation and eternity on the back burner. Right. So what groups are you speaking about specifically? Like who is doing that and where, and, um, like what, is, what are you actually seeing? Yeah. So I, I saw that a lot, um, actually during my time when I worked with Turning Point USA, they have um, a Turning Point faith arm that they have created. And as soon as I learned about it, I was like, oh, you know, this, this could be a good thing. This could be a good idea. Um, and then as it got developed, it was, it was 
more from my understanding of the format of actually going into the church, pastors inviting this organization in to um, uh, create chapters within within youth groups and to get the youth groups involved and um, to register people to vote and to bring in uh, political celebrity speakers to come and speak to the congregation. And I think it's great and fine and wonderful if on a Thursday or Thursday night, you want to have a meeting at your church and talk about current events. That's fine. But on Sunday morning from the pulpit, when you have vulnerable, impressionable teenagers who need the truth of God's word more than ever. Like, I don't, I don't know about you. I remember where I was at 14, 15 years old in the youth group. Like I, mm-hmm. I needed God's word. Mm-hmm. They're not getting that. They're getting, Oh, this is how you can mm-hmm. fight in your community and, you know, do X, Y, Z. And um, it's, it, it is idolatry. Like you said, it is, mm-hmm. it is total idolatry. And um and it, it becomes no longer a church, right? It becomes um, just this political, this building where these political conversations can happen and that you can use Christian words like the Bible and scripture and God, and you know they can use our language and use our words, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that, God, that the word of God is being held to their authority. And that doesn't mean that they're glorifying God and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so turning point has this faith arm and basically they're, they're seeking to kind of bring people of all different faiths together on who are conservative, who are aligned politically with them. And they're asking those people to work together in what ways, like, do you know, practically how, how, how does that work out? Like, are, is it like bring Muslims and Christians together to mobilize in your communities or how does that work? Yeah. So, so from what I, what I was told about it and what I, how I understand it to be is that it, um, it'll be temples, mosques, churches, anyone who invites them in. So pastors who say, Hey, we need you to come to our, to our church and, you know, register people to vote. We need to help your help getting this speaker in our church. We want to start a chapter in the youth group. So it's on the grounds of, you know, they're not going to go unless they're invited, but why are these pastors inviting them in the first place? Because if scripture is sufficient, then we don't need extra biblical lessons on how to be involved in the political sphere. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I think, and I think too, if, if the word of God is being faithfully preached, the full counsel of God is being preached from the pulpit, you don't need lessons on right. how to view CRT or how to right. view abortion or how to view these policy issues. Um, you're being preached the full counsel of God, you know where God stands on these things. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and I think that's, that's the, the more ecumenical you get, um, the more further from scripture you get, the more your doctrine is, is compromised, the more um, your theology is compromised and God becomes small and you become big and yeah. um, able to save the country. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So, um, are you like you, you mentioned the work when, when you were working with turning point, are you no longer working with them? Nope. Um, I, so things kind of came to head around October. I, whenever this turning point faith stuff kind of started, I, um, pushed back on it a lot. Um, didn't really go anywhere with it, but pushed back on it. They kind of transitioned my job to something else. Um, so I didn't, cause I just felt like I, I told them, I was like, I can't do my job. Um, a lot of what my job required me to do was to promote stuff on social media. And I was like, I can't, 
I can't do this. I'm not aligned here and I can't. Um, so they kind of respected that and kind of transitioned my job over and things just kind of sort of came to a head. Um, I'm very vocal online about the things that I care about. I always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I posted about wanting to like, just exactly what we're talking about, just what the role of the church is and, and how Christians should want to preach the gospel and that sort of thing. Well, it kind of came to head at the office and, you know, it was perceived that I was referring to Charlie Kirk and Rob McCoy and the people involved there. And um, we, I had some conversations with them both that did not go well. Um, And so we made a mutual decision kind of to part ways. Um, So that was back in October or no, I'm sorry, not October, August. And then I started working for a U.S. Senate campaign in October. So, um, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think the Lord pulled me out of that when, um, because I, I, I don't know, I was at the point where I was ready to leave. And I think that God pulled me out from a situation that probably would have gotten worse had I stayed. Um, so that's, that's yeah. tough. That's really hard. Cause yeah. I know that, you know, I, I know that you're not the challenges. It's like politically you're aligned with those people, right? Yeah, totally on the same page politically. Yeah. The problem is a matter of like, we've said earlier, like hierarchy of authority and who you're ultimately submitted to and whose word actually is final. And, um, I just think there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of conflicts for someone when they start to fly the flag of, you know, conservative politics and am I cutting out for you? Yeah, just a little bit, but I I think now it's caught up. I think. Okay. Weird. I keep hearing like little glitches in my ear. Hmm. I don't know if it's on my own. I don't know whose end it's on. Um, weird. Um, (laughs) okay. I just think there's a lot of challenges there and, uh, and that's why I think it's important that we remember our role, like our role as individuals, the church's role. If we are all playing the right role, if we are actually in, in the position God means for us to be, this works, this all works together, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and we were saying earlier about people who have gotten swept up in overly politicized churches. Well, like the problem too, for the, and and you said false converts, like I see that a lot. I see a lot of very conservative people who do not know the gospel and yet they're cool with Jesus. They're like, yeah, like I believe in God and I'm good with Jesus, whoever that guy is like, sure. Yeah. I I even want my kids to learn it. Or I even want my kids in private school because I hate government schools. And I want, they would like, they would make all the same decisions I would, but it would be from a different place. And it would not be like, they're, they're not necessarily Christians because they're just conservatives who really like everything conservatism stands for. They want to push back against COVID tyranny. They don't want to get vaccinated. They all the, like, it's just like all the things seem like they're there but they're actually, they don't know Jesus. They don't actually have a relationship with him. They're they're not saved. They don't understand, or even they would not even agree that they necessarily are, um, have fallen short of the glory of God and that they are in sin. Like they, they wouldn't even necessarily agree with that, but they're good with everything else, you know? And it's just so fascinating to me because I'm like, how do you not see this? But 
But then it's like, well, of course you don't see it because you're in a church that literally is preaching, um, you know, motivational speeches to you every single week and helping you with your time management strategies. And you've never learned scripture and you've probably never even opened a Bible. Yeah. Or, or bringing in non-believing pagan, uh, political celebrities to come in and speak to the congregation. I mean, what it, it becomes an event, it becomes an attraction. It's not, and, and I think it's fine. Like, uh, I, like if you want to bring James Lindsay on a Thursday night and talk about critical race theory, that's great. But on a yeah. Sunday morning, on the Lord's day, when yeah. you have people who are there to be fed the word, who need to hear the gospel, I, I've been in church my entire life, Haley, and I was a nominal Christian until 2019. And I thought I went every Sunday, every Wednesday night, and I thought I knew Jesus. I thought I had a relationship with Jesus. I would get on the spiritual highs at the, you know, youth camps and all those things. But at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, no, like I was never actually given the gospel. I was never actually told that I'm a wretched sinner in need of a savior. I was never told about God's wrath. Repentance. What is that? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, that's what people need to know. And, and you can, you can pull the language, you can steal the words, talk about Jesus. You can talk about, you know, the Bible and scripture. And this is what this verse means out of context. You can do those things and deceive people. But at the end of the day, those people are not, not going to be saved. They're not in Christ. Yeah, man. So good. And so true. Yeah. Did, I guess I missed that, but did, um, did a church bring James Lindsay to church on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, well, I know he's for those who are listening, James Lindsay is an atheist, but he is a very, very intelligent and aware. And he sees things clearly in terms of everything that's going on with Mm -hmm. CRT. And I mean, he can, he just very, very intelligent, reasonable human being. He's been on Ali Stuckey many times and he's fascinating to listen to. I mean, and and she said to him, she's like, James, you're almost there. You're almost there. Like, like you, yeah. you almost see it because he, he sees so many inconsistencies with like CRT and just like, he's like, they're, they're the racists. Like he sees a lot of that, but he's an atheist. So yeah, the, the irony, like that a church would bring him to bring an atheist parade an atheist onto the stage in front of their congregation to what, like to show them yeah. how smart he is, like how sad, like how tragic. Well, it- it brings nothing of value to their souls. I mean, and, and I, like you said, I like James Lindsay. I think he's the yeah. nicest guy. He's brilliant. There's so much to be learned from him, but he's not going to do anything for your soul. He's not going to do right. anything for glorifying for God's glory. And what about his soul? Um, or show you how to do that. Yes, absolutely. Like, do we actually absolutely. not love him enough to tell him that without Christ, he is destined for separation from God in hell for eternity. Do we not, we, we are so hateful as a church, as conservative Christians, we're so hateful that we don't love James Lindsay enough to risk an earthly relationship with him in order to worship with him at the throne of God forever in eternity. Like that's what we're really saying is that we, we actually don't give a rip about you, James. We just want what you can give to us us, which is your alignment mm-hmm. or your, your ideology, your, you know, your amazing ideas, your amazing brain that is not, you know, uh, twisted and contorted by all of these liberal 
think, you know, thoughts that almost every other atheist is. So can you help us, James? Can you help us get to those people? Like that's what we're doing. And it's just despicable. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Well, it's like, uh, I can't remember who said it. What's the old quotes? Like how much do you have to hate a person to not share the gospel with them? Oh yeah. That was, Um, that's really what it is. Tell her that and he's an atheist too, right? He was like, was it Penn Teller that said that? Yeah. He was wow. like, okay. I, I believe it was, I've seen that recently. And he, he was like, if, if you really believe that this is true, like you really, you really hate someone if you're not going to tell them. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And it's like you said, like it, it is, it's, it's using these people like James um, and their celebrity status and their intelligence yeah. to influence their congregation yeah. when their congregation can they could go listen to James Lindsay speak somewhere at an event. They can watch his YouTube videos. They can yeah. follow him on Twitter. They're going to get all that. Imp- like, why do we go to church? We don't go to church to learn about how to be more like the world yeah. or to learn from the world, how to be more like the world. We go to church to learn how to be like Christ. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. A hundred percent. So for the person who's listening, who's like, um, whoops, maybe my church is kind of getting into some of that. What if someone is like, I've seen a lot of that at my church. I didn't even know to think that that was wrong. I thought that I was winning in 20 to 20 to 2022 in the era of everyone's churches going woke. I thought I was kind of winning with a church that saw things in a true light and was speaking to them forcefully from the pulpit and maybe even leveraging some of these other relationships and, and they're concerned that maybe they, you know, maybe they missed it. What would be your encouragement or what would you say to that person? Well, I would say first, like I always, first of all, I'm so thankful just, I think for all this COVID stuff and the things that we've seen happen over the last couple of years, I think it really has pulled, pulled the uh, veil from our eyes and revealed to us a lot of things like this. Um, and areas were being deceived and, um, but remember that the path is narrow and God is sovereign and that, you know, the Bible talks about, there's going to be a lot of false teachers. There's going to be a lot of, um, things that you're going to have to go back to scripture and say, okay, does this line up? So my encouragement would be, if you see that that's happening in your church, I would encourage you to talk to your pastor talk to your elders about it. Um, and to, and to bring this to him, bring this to them in love and concern, because it really is life or death. Like, this is not just about what the next four years are going to look like. This is about people's eternity. Um, and you know, and if that doesn't work, uh, I'll say the same thing I said to people who were in churches preaching social justice, go find a new church. And that's not fun. That's not a fun decision to make. I think Lawson and I are dealing with that right now. Um, having moved to a different state, we're having to find a new church and it, it is not fun. Um, Master Seminary has a fantastic church finder. Um, Founders mm-hmm. Ministries has a great church finder where you can put in your zip code and find a church near you um, and find solid pastors who are going to expositorily and exegetically feed you the word verse by verse every Sunday and tell you who God is and the glory of God and point you to the cross every Sunday. That's mm-hmm. what believers need. So, um, yeah, so my encouragement good. to you is that you are where God wants you to be right now. Um, and you know, use discernment and through prayer and, you know, if that means moving churches, then 
it would be obedient to to do so. It, this is a great call to Christians to just um, be on guard, really, at, at the end of the day, be on guard, be aware, yeah. know this is happening, look out for it, be discerning, grow in discernment, read the Bible if you want to grow in wisdom. And like, just from a personal, I'll just share personally, like I have prayed for wisdom my entire life. Like I, since I was 13, writing in my journal, being super emo, you know, crying over my journal, like writing letters to my future husband. I have prayed for wisdom. Like I, I, I don't know why I I think that was a gift from God that caused me to desire it, even though I probably barely knew what I was praying for. And so legitimately pray and ask God to give you discernment and wisdom. Um, and believe that he will, like he, he is not someone who delights to, to have his children, not be able to discern the truth. Like the Holy spirit, if you are his is living and active inside of you and is able to help you discern Mm -hmm. truth from error. And, and so a lot of times I think it's just that we are turning to the world and asking for them to help us and not asking God to be our help. Right. Well, and even scripture says that God gives wisdom generously, that it's, it's, he delights in giving us wisdom because it, it makes us more like him. Um, so I, and I think that's, it's so easy to resort to these tangible things like political activism and policy and voting. But in reality, if we want to be wise, wisdom is something that only comes from God's word and from God. It's a gift. So that's that, uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that, but it's, that's, that's how you achieve it. Yeah. And well, Reagan, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. Um, where can people follow you online and, and get connected with what you're doing? Yeah, you can follow me at the Reagan Scott on Instagram and Twitter. That's I'm more active really on Instagram these days um, than other platforms, but um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you too. Thanks for having me, Haley. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I hope that was an encouraging and challenging conversation for you. I always want to bring topics uh, to you guys that maybe stretch your thinking, stretch your comfort zone, even um, provoke you to go to the word of God and search scripture on these things. Don't take our word for it, but actually open your Bible and pray, talk to your pastor, talk to your leaders at church. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I want to be a place that edifies and um, builds you up in truth. And uh, again, if you want more from Kindled, if you are out of episodes, if you have made it through all of my content from the last four years, join us inside the Firestarters community on Locals, kindlepodcast.locals.com. If you're in there, I will see you Friday. If not, you will be hearing from me next Monday. Have a great week, guys.